I'm Kelly Llewellyn. And I'm Greg Homme. And this is Caveman. And Counselor. In this episode, we're discussing a concept that's been gaining traction in the last few years, how our body remembers and reacts to trauma. Today's topic is taken from the book, quote, Your Body Keeps a Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Our experiences, especially traumatic ones, don't just affect our minds, but also have profound effects on our bodies as well. It's a theme that's been game changer in the world of therapy and mental health. The idea that trauma we go through doesn't just mentally impact us, but is stored physically in our bodies. And to help us explore this concept in detail, we have an exceptional guest today. That's right, Greg. We are delighted to have Casey Risman, LPCC and Certified Yoga Instructor. Casey specializes in working with individuals who are struggling with trauma that's locked inside of their physical selves. We'll delve into personal stories, discuss strategies to help release this trauma, and explore the broader implications of recognizing that our bodies indeed do need to recover from emotional trauma. And as always, this podcast is meant for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide direct help or replace professional advice. If you or someone you know is struggling, we encourage you to seek the guidance of a qualified professional. Uh, yes, whether you're a mental health professional, someone who has experienced trauma, like most of us really have, or simply curious about the human psyche, this episode is for you. So make yourself comfortable, perhaps get a cup of tea or favorite latte, and prepare for a transformative discussion on how bodies keep the score. And if you appreciate what we're doing here at Caveman and Counselor, don't forget to like, share, and follow us. Leave us a review. It also goes a long way in helping others to discover our podcast. So thanks for tuning in, and let's dive into today's topic. We are here with, with Casey Risman, and I've known you, Casey, for a very long time. You are a certified um, yoga instructor and also a licensed professional clinical counselor. In your yoga, you emphasize in working with eating disorders. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. You also work with people. I know when they've come into our center and they're very dysregulated with anxiety, you you just pull them on in and get them re-regulated. You have all kinds of great techniques and things that you do to help people um, because our bodies really have a lot to say about what's happening you know, in our emotional uh, world and our emotional world definitely can damage our bodies in some way. So we wanted to jump into that topic today. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Casey, you know, th you're much younger than I am, but uh, much. how, thank you for that, Greg, how <laughs> has our understanding of trauma and its impact on the body changed over the years, just from the time that you've been working in this field? Well, like you said, the body definitely keeps um, what's happening around us emotionally and physically. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you'll hear people say in like the yoga world that like we metabolize not only our food, but we metabolize our life within mm -hmm. our stomach area. And I think that's very true. You know, when you're nervous, you can feel like those butterflies in your stomach. Um, yeah. You can hear it, feel your heart beating. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people describe their palms being sweaty. Mm -hmm. And those are all just natural experiences that your body's um, going through because yeah. you're feeling 
maybe scared. Maybe you're anxious, feeling yeah. Um, yeah. concerned. Yeah. And of course, you know, a lot of that is very useful, right? It's like yeah. if you're being chased by Greg, for example, you might want to run if you're being chased by Greg and our caveman. And um, that, underst- <laughs> Sorry, Greg. that understanding is that you would want your heart to race. You'd want to you'd get moving. You want to get going um, or play dead or whatever it is that you're going to do. Um, so how is that different than just you know, normal, like you have a normal response to anxiety, um, which is, can be helpful. It can get a, it can get us going and moving, but like, how does that residual effect affect our bodies, especially with people who've had a lot of trauma, physical, emotional trauma we're talking about? Yeah. Well, like what you're describing would be like flight or fight. Yeah. And you're right. Like if you would want that, if you were in the, a cave, <laughs> but not every day. And every day. from somebody who has struggled with anxiety in the past and you know that living like that on a day-to-day it just is really damaging to your body you eventually don't want to even listen to your body and you want to just go on autopilot or use coping mechanisms that are not effective Mm -hmm. like drinking or drugs to avoid how you're feeling yeah well also you've talked about this i mean you've even not just emotional trauma, but when there's physical trauma, someone has a car accident, someone's in a, a, a violent situation, um, they've had violence against them, you know, they have the emotional scar of that, and we see it show up in their bodies. Like, you know, I do that, I do um, EMDR, it's a specialized form of therapy, um, and part of that work is kind of working through the somatization part, the part that's kind of stored inside of them. Um, and so we know that definitely happens with physical trauma, emotional trauma. Um, what are some ways that you help people kind of get out of that? What are some things you do? So I, I do have a full respect for EMDR, as you know, and I think it's an um, amazing tool. And I definitely um, recommend it for a lot of my clients. And then um, utilizing like breathing techniques as a way to start regulating the body. Um, Just being able to recognize their emotions, recognizing how they're feeling, and then noticing what they're doing to avoid the feeling and just Mm -hmm. being fully aware and present at the moment. Those things are really hard to do if you're still living in the traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to know if you're still in that traumatic experience, and it's hard to know if you're fully out when you're fully out of it. Um, you could be like still um, hearing sounds or having images from it, physical sensations like we were describing, your heart beating, all those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know people who've had um, olfactory memories of trauma. You know, they'll smell something and they'll be taken right back to the trauma and then their body starts to respond to all of that. (laughs) So part of it, would you say, is beginning to recognize and paying attention to your body and what it's responding to so you can kind of kind of go back and and understand what's happening? Yeah, exactly. And the one thing I know from trauma, because I was in a traumatic car accident, but I've had other traumas on top of that was that it becomes a very fine line between you and other people who haven't gone through trauma. Hmm. And it's very hard to communicate that because it's hard for you to believe that anyone can actually understand. Um, And it becomes more of like 
I have trauma, they don't type of situation. Oh, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And so, so like, like I survived a traumatic car accident, they didn't. Yeah. So they can't understand what this was like. Yes. Yeah. And so when you physically healed from that car accident, mm-hmm. what were some of the, like, you know, physically from what the doctors saw, right? What did, um, how did you notice that your body was still keeping that trauma locked up inside of you? What kind of experiences did you have? Do you mind, if you mind sharing? No, that's fine. Um, well, at the time, I didn't know, but now I know, but the time my stomach was very um, upset all the time. And I didn't realize that um, my stomach was trying to cope with the trauma. So that was very concerning. And then just stress, difficulty sleeping or difficulty staying awake, things like that. Um, I would have a tendency to tear up a lot without even knowing why. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the emotional trauma with the tears, but the stomach was definitely the physiological memory and response of, of that trauma and what had occurred to you. It's almost kind of like it just got, I would think, and tell me what you think of this, it's almost like it just was uh, such a deep, deep trauma that you had. So it was so traumatic that it's like it was hard for your neurons to kind of let go and forget that you're safe now. I think that's probably what happens with a lot of our body traumas. We don't realize that we're currently safe. What do you think? I think that we know we're safe, except that we don't believe it. Okay. So So there's like, yeah. So it's more emotional that we don't believe it, and then our body is still responding to what we believe. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's hard to... It's <laughs> so interesting. Uh, yeah. No, I I think well, in some sense, it's like so obvious, right? But it seems like society is like just coming to the realization that maybe the maybe the mind and the body are connected in some way. <laughs> so you've you kind of rail on that all the time that you know they the, the your your brain is just another organ in your system, and. They hardly, well, I think that's not true now, but we, we're coming to realize that, that kind of a lot of the, the, the symptoms, the physical symptoms we have, have a deeper underlying emotional or some trauma, trauma connection to it. Um, and part of it is a little spooky because that really means you're not really in control. <laughs> you know, these other things are in control. It's like you're the event that happened. And... Mm-hmm. And in, and you the the way to get through it is you have to process it in some way. You have to kind of like figure figure that out. Mm-hmm. And usually it's helpful if you see a counselor and they have different all these modalities. But it's just always kind of shocking that we just come to the realization that you know, like with Casey, I know that she was in really a horrible accident, and she survived it, and she it was very traumatic, and you know, so it having stomach ache because of that or having difficulty um, adjusting the world is, you know, and like everybody, I think really everybody has a traumatic event at some time. They have something that kind of affects them physically. You know, I always, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I always use the example of, you remember when like you're sitting somewhere and all of a sudden this random thought goes and you're like back when you're six years old and you got, 
you got you're shamed in school and your body all of a sudden just takes you right back there and you have this rush of emotions mm-hmm. you know and so but that kind of system is kind of not online you have you're not controlling that whatsoever i always think that kind of it's a it's a good um illustration of how your your how your mind affects your body you know it can, can take you for me it would take me back i don't know uh 55 years you know back to an event that happened when I, and not necessarily traumatic but at that point it was traumatic so yeah. i mean so this all makes sense it's kind of like it's just i think we're just finally even having conversation about it and What's, yeah and the and the other part about trauma is like i could have something happen to me exactly like like kelly like happened to you and me it would be hugely traumatic mm-hmm. and you it would be no big deal mm-hmm. But that's just how that's a human condition. But I don't have the right to discredit your your that event. You know, mm-hmm. some like some mm-hmm. people when they lose their animals, you know, they're devastated. They're devastated, and you know, we, I've we've had to put dogs down and stuff like that, and it's horrible. But some people, that's just unthinkable. So, you know, in some sense, it's cool because it's the it's our human condition. But the other thing is like. You need to pay attention. And part of this whole thing is like, we just don't want to pay attention. You would hate to think that something that happened a long time ago, still you're carrying around and it's still affecting you physically. So that's all I got to say. Well, I think that does lead to that. If you have something going on, a stomach ache and those kinds of things. When we had Dr. Krista here, it was great. She was talking about anxiety and um how that affects people and how it affects people physically. And so a lot of really great um, clinicians, nurses, doctors, physical therapists, those kinds of things will go ahead and refer people to therapists to kind of, uh, if they're having some residual physiological um, event that just isn't making sense and they've checked out then all the labs, because you want to do that first, make sure it's not, you know, organic in nature. And if it's not, what kind of kind of, you said you do, you do some breathing with people, you know, you do some wonderful color visualizations with people that I've seen. What are some other kinds of of things that it's hard to describe without seeing you, I know, or seeing it on camera. But what are some things that you might do with a client? Like, I come in, I'm anxious, and I'm shaking. You're going to have me breathe. And what are some of the breathing techniques you're going to do? And what are some other things you're going to do, Casey? Well, um, it, you're right. It depends on the person, and it depends mm-hmm. on the situation. I think... Um, you know, I like to do gentle meditations depending on the client, depending on where they're at. We will sit and we'll visualize. Sometimes we visualize just even a bubble and putting mm-hmm. all of the conversations that they had prior to coming in or any oh, nice. people they see prior to coming in. And then we just like mm-hmm. let the bubble float away and eventually mm-hmm. it will pop. And then they're here in the present moment. And that can help regulate, it helps them be more grounded. And when we know when we're grounded or we're feeling safe, which is when our bodies are relaxed, mm-hmm. then we're really able to then talk about our experiences mm-hmm. and talk about how we're feeling. But when we're feeling anxious or we're feeling like, you know, again, not being safe, we kind of only get to that surface level stuff and it's not the the deep and it's not really what's happening. Mm-hmm. So it always mm-hmm. takes a few times and getting the especially if the person is very anxious 
And then, you know, leaving um, the office, we talk about coping skills as the person is, you know, what they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually it's sleeping, eating, communicating, right? Screen time. Yeah. All (laughs) those things. Yeah. All those fun ones. Also, Casey, you you know, we talk about this in eating disorders, and we always say, you know, people with eating disorders are cut off here. They're they're cut off from the neck down. So I have my hand under my chin in case you can't see this. Um, but we kind of get cut off from the neck from the neck down. And so that's one of the things you do with our eating disorder patients is helping them to get into their bodies again and get reattached to their bodies. At some point they kind of disconnected from their bodies. Um, and that's why they can sometimes go through these very painful things, starvation, um, you know, things like that, extreme exercise, things that most people would have a hard time with, but they can really dissociate kind of and get out of their body. Um, so you really work at getting them back into their body. How do you help somebody start feeling their body again? Like, like if you, I was sitting there and you were coaching me and, and we're doing it right now, let's say I'm trying to get back in my body, what's something you would have me do? Well, first I would tell you how much I can understand and relate to that experience. And then I would ask, you know, where do you feel it in your body? Where are you holding um, okay. this? So in- do you notice any experience in your body coming up? Yeah. So I notice tension in my jaw and my shoulders because I'm doing a podcast mm-hmm. and I always want to make sure that I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Well, that would so, make sense, mm-hmm. right? Because your shoulders carry the tension the jaws mm-hmm. where you're talking. So okay, I would validate so the person and understanding that that's where it would make sense to me. Communicate. We communicate through our neck and through our throat. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then then what would you have me do next? If I could I'd have just take a nice, as you breathe in and as you breathe out. So breathing in and exhale out. Slowly release and let go. And I would do that two more times as you breathe in, breathing all the way up and then all the way down. Really let go and let go. And one more time as you breathe in and as you breathe out. Okay. And then just noticing, noticing any thoughts, feelings sensations, noticing if you're holding any tension. Yeah, I'm just kind of noticing how nice it is to do rec neck rolls and just take a moment to just pay attention to that my jaw was tight, it's looser now, and then my shoulders were tight. And that helped tremendously, believe it or not, that little exercise, just to bring awareness to it and my taking a moment and recognizing it. Yeah, and while you were doing that, I noticed my own body and I was able to relax as well. And I think that mm-hmm. that also helps the client and my, because then we can relax together. The energy shifts in the room. We become uh-huh. safer yeah. and calmer and then we connect yeah. and then we start talking. Yeah. Let's say the audience, if you've ever had the opportunity to work with a, a certified yoga therapist, like, like Casey, who's also a therapist who brings that into their work. It's, I just, it's just like, it's like taking a warm bath, having, having Casey kind of do go through her modalities with, with a person. Um, so I want to see you try it on Greg. Okay, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this. I got to watch this. Okay, try ready? it on Greg. Hold on. 
Now she okay. gets tense. All right. Well, I would be. Do let's start by <laughs> Greg. Just take yes. a moment and mm-hmm. let's find out about your body. Do you notice anything that's coming up in your body? Do you know, notice any part of you? I'd say uh, my shoulders and my lower back. Okay. I have to ask, how do you feel about your shoulders and lower back? Well, I don't really like them. <laughs> no, well, I, 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 no, I've been struggling with this thing. Uh, I'm actually my lower back and my right hand side. It feels like, like uh, I got a hip thing or something, but. Okay. So, so, and it really, it, it's aggravating. So we're going to shift and think about how grateful we are for having your right side. We're going to shift and think about how wonderful it is to have that there for you today. Can you, Is that okay for you if we do that? Please. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go ahead and as we breathe in and as we breathe out. And as we breathe in, and as we breathe out, slow exhale, letting all your breath out, sending that energy to the right side. And then as you breathe in, and as you breathe out, sending the energy to the left side, and then setting that gratitude for the body, for being here today. And just continue doing that as you breathe in and as you breathe out. Relaxing and letting go and letting go. And see if you can just relax your tongue from the roof of your mouth. And now I just take this opportunity to notice any feelings, any sensations. You can take a moment to notice the difference between the deep breathing and your natural breathing. And then also notice there's no right or wrong. And so there's not a, an answer. There might not be an answer. Just It is what it is. And if you want to share with us what it was like for you. Uh, I think the most important part is, I, and I say this every morning, <laughs> that you know, I should do a gratitude list because it's like really great to wake up and, and think of taking an inventory of all the things you're grateful for. So, you know, really kind of, that always helps me shift my perspective. I should be doing it every day. I don't, but you know, you're shitting on yourself, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) That was just pointed out to me earlier this week or maybe last week is like, you know, I'm like, I get an insight and I like, the next thing I say is like, Jesus I Christ, it took you forever, you dumbass. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that, Casey. And he's saying that the gratitude for your lower back was helpful when you thought about Nobody's it. Nobody's gratitude of like like my other back, other part of my 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 left side is just fine and my right side's a little wonky right now. But 
it's the better to look at like, oh, well, it's not that bad, you know, so be grateful for the fact that I'm, you know, not hobbling over. Mm-hmm. I think it's I've like, seen you do that, Casey. I think I've seen you ask somebody when they have some, some pain, say, what does that pain want to tell you? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you need to learn from it? You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, I love that when you do that, it's enough. I mean, so how does that look when you talk to somebody about a pain they're having and what it, what it, or discomfort and what it wants to tell them? Can you give them examples of people who had something and kind of what it was really talking about, what it was really trying to say? Well, a lot of times it's, it is a negative or it is uncomfortable or a discomfort and that's okay because that's part of the reason you know we're working together is just trying to find ways to heal and healing can be hard when it's like a chronic pain mm-hmm. and so listening even to my own body and and finding gratitude for a space that hurts can be challenging sometimes so understanding that and knowing that it's not every day, some days it's easier than others. Mm-hmm. Some days it is painful and it's, you know, it is part of that. I think when we shift our perspective, like we did with Greg today, um, it does change, it helps the space, it helps open up the space. You know, a lot of people are receptive to it, but then they add a but. Or, you know, yeah, so it can, it's challenging because I don't want to put words in somebody's mouth Mm -hmm. and I don't want to, that's why I asked Greg after he was done, if that was okay for him, because it has to be a space that he feels safe with because it might not be something that you could feel grateful for. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, You know, you got a couple little guys at home. And you're very great. You're a great mom, super protective and very involved. I actually saw you during COVID, during supervision, um, when we had group supervision on screen and your little guy was in the background doing a a child's yoga video. It just cracked me up. It was so cute. He's like, oh, he's doing his morning yoga. It's like, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, So you really wanted to make sure their bodies and their brains respond, grow grow really well. Um, But when children have, you know, difficult traumas in childhood, um, how can it, we know it, it can definitely, you know, affect their brain, definitely does. Um, what are symptoms that you've seen in children in their bodies before? What are some symptoms that kids have come in with? Well, I think it's, I I do see a lot of times that children don't want to always talk about the trauma, as you know, you know, that's why a lot of times it comes out in more of like a, a picture or demonstration. So, So in that case, I've asked children to demonstrate how they are feeling in a yoga pose, in a pose. I wouldn't call it a yoga pose, but in a pose, and it could be just curling up into a ball, you know, putting the head down. Um, that demonstrates when a lot of times you drop your head towards your heart, it, mm-hmm. it can f- do two things. It's shame. And then also, you know, you're humbled. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. a lot of times when they're healed, you'll be humble. But during the experience, of course, you're dropping your head towards your chest, mm-hmm. feeling the shame. Yeah. So if children come in with specific complaints, like I've had children come in with ARFID, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. And so maybe they had an event where they vomited. Um, and then they're afraid to eat and, and their throat tightens up when they eat and all those kinds of things happen. Um, their taste buds even change. They really want to eat, but they're afraid to eat. And literally their body has a hard time even swallowing. Mm-hmm. And so they'll come in and they, they've either vomited or um, maybe thought maybe had a choking experience. So the body kind of, that's such a great example, Casey, of if children's bodies are so pure, them their body telling them, no, no, don't eat because you'll choke. No, no, don't eat because you'll throw up. Um, one particular, I've had children come in who, who had vomited like in a restaurant and they were so, or at school and they were so embarrassed that now they're, they really are afraid to eat and they limit their food choices and only eat things that kind of go down very easily. So this is a great example, I think, of kind of a real life, you know, diagnosis that we see with kids who had, who've had some kind of traumatic event and their bodies physically responding. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I'm thinking of other children, any other thing like that you've seen with kids where kids will come in and be talking about a particular, particular pain they're having, uh, you start to the stomach for sure. Um, anywhere else where kids might demonstrate pain that they talk about and it's really, Responding to an old trauma? I'm thinking about uh, teens. Right Mm -hmm. now, I'm thinking about the teens that I work with that have um, diagnosed with eating disorder. And I'm thinking about their experience when I do, we do yoga. The biggest thing I've noticed and from research as well that the lying down shavasana or, you know, lying flat on your back and just being in that moment can be very difficult and can be very challenging Mm -hmm. um, because of you're being exposed. You're lying there flat on your back. There's, you know, you don't have your hands on you. Your hands are on your side. Covered up, yeah. Yeah. Not in big baggy clothes. Yeah. So you're just (laughs) lying there. And then... you might not really realize that in a regular yoga studio or in a class that that can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people cry just lying there flat on their backs. Um, mm-hmm. It's because it's very opening. And so I, for me, I allow anyone to lie any way they want. If you want to lie on your mm-hmm. stomach, if you want to lie on your side, um, blankets and just giving it to be more of a comforting space because that can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really interesting. Huh. A really quick question to Casey. Do, so do people really understand that that's really the, the fact that they're vulnerable and that's what they're getting? Because you have that, because you, you have that experience and you think something's wrong with you or, you know, so it's just about guiding, like understanding when that happens to somebody, you explain to them that that's chances are because they're feeling vulnerable or. I do. And that's a good question. So I do explain that, like, you know, we carry a lot of our emotional stress in our hips. So if we're um, releasing any of those emotions and mm-hmm. during the classes that I do teach here, I, I always 
do one pose and then we stop and then we take a moment to observe any thoughts, any feelings, any emotions, just so that way they are the clients are able to see how directly related these our body and our feelings and our thoughts are. And then mm -hmm. we will go through. And then always when they're lying down, it's this is a time to, you know, be let your mind go and explore, but also be aware that it this can be also feeling very uncomfortable as well. Mm -hmm. The interesting part is that how did you kind of come to all of that? Because that's not really imagine that's not in the normal yoga uh, certification explaining that component, the mental health component to it. Um, well, when I was so I was certified a long time ago. 15, 16 years ago, while I was getting my master's degree, I only did that was really just because I wanted um, to become a yoga. I didn't want to teach yoga. I just did it for myself. I thought that that would be good for my own body. Mm -hmm. And then just going through school and working with clients. And then um, a few years back, I took a yoga for eating disorder specific course. And that was what really took my yoga from just working with public to only working with clients with eating disorders and mental health it, um, struggles, like with anxiety and depression. So what result uh, overall have you seen with it? Because I know it's pretty transformational if you understand like, wow, when I lay down, I feel I, I'm emotionally vulnerable. Mm -hmm. and exploring that imagine that's kind of people get a lot of insights from it in the past i've had clients say things like you know at the beginning it's kind of be challenging to to slow my breathing and then by the end i'm fully relaxed i'm in a, a lot different of a state of mind um I'll have clients who look at me and not want to participate, especially the younger uh, clients. And then by the end, they're sleeping and resting. <laughs> and to me, the ultimate form of relaxation is sleep. So if someone can take a nap at the end, it's very therapeutic. It's healthy. And also feeling safe. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, so that wow, also. Okay. See, it's awesome. Yeah. Periodically, I've had hives and I never get hives, but it's just been really certain situations and I didn't figure it out until maybe happened the third time. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> oh. Mm -hmm. this is cause I don't normally have any kind of stuff like that. But, and I, part of me is like, well, I better pay attention to what my body's telling me. Cause this is, seems to be a bigger deal than I'm, I'm think I'm making it. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a, an awesome tool of like, mm -hmm. maybe a little self diagnosis about why, what possibly could be causing this other than like, I'm allergic to something. You know, and, it, and I, I think it falls on the medical uh, model to ask those questions. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I think, I mean, it's, and I, I think it's an older statistic, but I, I don't think it's changed much. But like sixty percent of the general practitioners, the one who who prescribe uh, antidepressants. Yeah. You yes. know, and then they, I read a study a long time ago, but I, I'm sure it hasn't changed that that if you have untreated depression, you're probably going to take uh, anywhere from 10 to 20 years off of your life mm -hmm. because of that, because the, the physical effects of it and, and, and also the end, the care that you need is much more expensive than it would 
mm-hmm. to the general population doesn't suffer from it. So it's like, and so in some sense, you can't get away with it. Mm. Well, <laughs> you I know, think and, what you're ahead. saying, Greg, is that it's really hard to identify emotions. And so when our body does have these um, reactions, it's like the emotion has been there and it's the body telling us what it's feeling. And then it's our turn to kind of say, okay, well, now I have to stop and, and listen. And it is hard. It's hard to identify which emotion it is and where my, well, you know where you're feeling it. You said hives, Kelly said her belly. Um, I feel it in my left hand, in my thumb. And that to me, when I'm heartbroken, I've correlated what, that with my heart because your left hand is supposed to be closest to your heart where you wear your wedding band. And so that I feel it, my thumb starts to pulsate feels very uncomfortable and that's me is like i'm very sad um but yes it's so hard to identify and most people don't want to identify how they're feeling and that's why we use like maladaptive coping mechanisms like drinking and drugs and over exercising do you think people don't want to notice how they're feeling or they really don't I think sometimes people just don't have a language and they really haven't been trained to do that. Cause you know, like our children, your children are growing up this way. Like my children grew up me trying to get them to think about what they were feeling and tell me their emotion, not just, mm-hmm. you know, people say not just angry. Cause that's not, that's a secondary feeling, right. But mm-hmm. telling us how they feel and then they can identify and they can move through it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, one of the most important parts of this conversation we're having is making sure when, when you're having a feeling to just recognize it. Yeah. And it is, it's hard. You're right. We're not trained. We're not taught Mm -hmm. to learn how we're feeling. And once you do recognize that and you see where it came from and the eye openings of that, it's, Mm -hmm. it's releasing you. You can really find a connection. You're able to communicate differently. You're able to be creative there's all sorts of things that once you're able to reduce that, like we had started talking about the anxiety or feeling super stressed or anxious, it's you can really um, mm-hmm. feel grounded and present. Casey, what would you say about this? I'm curious. You know, I always go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So, like, let's say I've got four kids. Um, my husband makes minimum wage. I make minimum wage. Um, I've got sick parents and I'm trying to take care of them. And um, I don't really have the time, energy, or desire to think about how I'm feeling. It's kind of a luxury. And to notice where in my body it is and what is all this hocus pocus kind of therapy, foo-foo stuff that you all are talking about because I just got to get my bills paid, right? Mm-hmm. So definitely that is a really valid point. Mm-hmm. How would somebody in that situation, would they still benefit from this? Well, I think we're a society of, and Greg could probably know more about that, but um, <laughs> of immediate gratification. Oh. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Not he that, but just that society. <laughs> society in general. That seemed and like so, a little bit of a crack a little bit. I'm just saying. And so as, you know, I... I understand that you want to re- 
avoid the feeling you don't you don't have time like we don't Mm -hmm. none of us have time and it takes effort and it does take time and it's work um but it's it's good work and it can it's life-changing it has Mm -hmm. the ability to shift your perspective and of course you feel better uh, physically and emotionally and you're able to then really fully take care of the people that you love I never told you this, Casey. Back when my oldest, this would have been 30 years ago, he was a baby, over 30 years ago, um, I had this friend, Kelly Yamada, and she was a um, massage therapist. Mm -hmm. And she taught an infant massage class that a bunch of us moms all took. Mm -hmm. And it was super fun. You give your little baby a massage. But she talked about that she learned about this, and this is very common in India, that poor women living, you know, in these very rudimentary um, kind of environments would give their babies massages, which I, you know, using one finger, right? Because they're so tiny, which I always thought was so awesome that they really were so, they wanted that, they had that physical connection with their body. But think about how helpful that was for their baby to kind of get into their body, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what. That was just a cool thing. So that's just kind of an aside, but I thought it was fun. So hey, can I circle bound about about sure. feelings? Uh oh. Because feelings, <laughs> wait, nothing more than well, feelings. Oh yeah. Trying to so, get my so, feelings of love. Well, we're making an assumption that kind of people even know kind of what the range of feelings are and what we consider. Uh, and I was just looking up. That's I have the, the luxury break? of looking up at um, Amazon a, a feelings chart. Yes. And I was thinking. It would probably not be a bad thing if someone had that around, <laughs> anybody yes. around, because yes. it, it, it's assuming that people, because we just don't, in society, we don't kind of feel that way and or think that way or feel <laughs> feel that way. And um, also, men are not really taught to identify their feelings, you know. And kind of, <laughs> what? <laughs> I had a friend. I had a friend. He's a British guy, and his therapist had him do that. He had him get a, a feelings chart. This was years ago, and slap it like in his closet. And when his wife would ask him how he was feeling, he'd go over to his feelings list. Uh-huh. This was twenty-five years ago, thirty years ago, thirty-five years ago. And that's so cool. So I think I'm glad you're catching up. And I think that that is a good thing. <laughs> no, a good but thing it's to just, do. I mean, it's it, like helpful. a good piece of advice of just like, yes. if you want to identify your feelings, well, what the hell are your feelings? I mean, mm-hmm. in the chart, there's, there is dispute about actually what, what is the core feelings, but you know, it's just, it would be, and it actually change your headspace too, and kind of like identify it, mm-hmm. you know? And it, I mean, I know you guys are like, yeah, no kidding, but people don't really yeah. sit every day and think, let's talk about your feelings or how do I feel about something? And, but I know that it's freeing. Uh, Kelly can testify, though. I struggle with it all the time because I'm always thinking, talking about what I think, like, yeah, not what I, I feel. That. So great. Yeah. How do you feel? Well, I think that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's reflexive. I don't really, and I know uh, that you're much better speaking to anybody from a feelings perspective mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, but you have to learn to identify it and, you know, and mm-hmm. guys are not good at that. Or generally, 
generally, generally sorry, generally exactly, speaking. Generally, yes. And it's and and some women are not thing. good at it either. Some people are general. Some people are not good at, good at it. it. Yeah, and it's and a not. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's the other thing is logical like, mind and your emotional mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Caveman and Counselor, where we bring you a unique blend of professional insights and practical perspectives on behavioral health. If you like what you heard, please don't hesitate to share this episode with others. And don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date on future episodes. And hey, for those who'd like to support our work, we have a Patreon page where you can make a donation and gain access to exclusive content. Thank you for listening. Until next time, remember, take care of your mental health.